Let me uh, take this opportunity, first of all, to thank God for all of you who participated last weekend in our closeout of our 150th anniversary with our concert, uh, the praise team, Mark Taylor and One Sound, and our special guests, the Tommy's Reunion Choir. How many of y'all made it back for that concert? Oh, my God. God, if you didn't make it, if you didn't make it, good God Almighty. Boy, you, I'm talking about you missed a blessing beyond measure. It was absolutely tremendous. And I want to thank the Thompson Community Choir, the Tommies, for coming and making such a special day of it. And then we celebrated several of our lay leaders for their late leadership in the 150th anniversary. I think we have a picture. Um, do we have a picture that we can put up of our lay leaders, um, brother and sister Thomas, uh, deacon, our lead servant of our deacons, deacon uh, the Neil Wilridge and his wife Wanda, uh, lead servant of our trustees, uh, trustee Gary White and his wife Wealthia, and uh, deacon and deaconess Alvin and Crystal Martin, who were part of our leadership in making that 150th anniversary just a special, special time. On the first Sunday, we're going to celebrate and honor our staff who uh, work so hard behind the scenes. We have a tremendous staff who do what they do, not because we can pay them what they could get out in the market, uh, but they do what they do out of their love for God and their love for this church. And we're going to celebrate them uh, on the first Sunday, recognize our staff. And so come on, y'all give them a hand. <clears throat> Um, you know, one of the things that I, I'm so proud of is the tremendous work that we do in impacting and touching the lives of people. I want to give a special shout out. Uh, we're a little light this morning. About 60 members or so, 60 to 70 members are actually on the church cruise. And uh, they're cruising uh, in the Mediterranean. I was supposed to be on there, but um, I chose knee surgery and being here with y'all over going on a Mediterranean cruise. Yeah, that's, that's how much I love you, y'all. That's how much I love you. Uh, but they're having a great time. I think they are in Rome now. They started in Barcelona. They're in Rome, and then they'll hit Naples. Um, later on, they'll hit Cannes, where the Cannes Film Festival is on the French Riviera. They'll hit Mallorca. And uh, they'll hit a couple of other spots, but uh, we're certainly uh, grateful and thankful for our food pantry workers. All of our food pantry workers, stand up. Those of you who volunteer and serve, amen. Thank you all so much, man. They, they do a, an absolute tremendous job. And, um, and I want to thank our rooted and grounded groups who have gone through and pitched in and we want to continue to make that happen upwards basketball uh any upwards basketball volunteers or parents in the room would you stand wherever you are upwards ministry stand it might be over there in the children's ministry um there's a couple here so for those of you who may not know upwards is our um evangelistic our discipleship sports ministry to children to plant good seeds in them and we excuse me we do it around three subject a uh, three I'm sorry three sports soccer football and basketball and we're in basketball season now and it's just absolutely tremendous to see the kids out there learning the things that you can learn positive things that you can learn in sports and athletics and uh, seeing their parents and their coaches um, teach them the word of God and share with them basic principles of character and those kinds of things. And uh, man, we're just thankful to the Lord for that. We had a women's empowerment event here on yesterday. Uh, Hope Yoga, you, you heard about that. It's going on every week. And so there's just so much here at our church. And I want you to know that it's all designed to help you be all that God wants you to be. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Rooted and grounded. All right, get out your pen, get out your pen. I've given you three groups of people that you need to be praying for. 
Now, we're going to start registration, open up registration for Rooted and Grounded the first Sunday in August. That's our plan, first Sunday in August. And we're going to kick off our fall Rooted and Grounded in September. Now, here's what's important for you to know. Every one of you who has been in a Rooted and Grounded group, raise your hand if you have been in a Rooted and Grounded group. Okay. So every one of you, you have been duly commissioned to now facilitate a group. I want you to prepare your mind to help somebody else come to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus. And maybe one or two of you may get together. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm not real comfortable doing it by myself. Pastor Buchan, you know, my sister in the faith, can my brother and I, can we get together and do it? And I want to encourage you to do that because the more groups we have, the more people that we will get to help know Jesus and to help grow in Jesus. That's our goal. So I've given you three people that you need to be praying about right now. I gave you F stands for who? Friends. You should be praying for your friends. However you define them, whoever you call a friend, you got friends who know Jesus. You got friends who need Jesus. I want you to pray about inviting them into your group. Our groups this coming fall in September will be co-ed, but you can also have same gender groups. So if you want to have an all women's group, you want to have an all men's group, man, you are more than welcome to do that. Again, I just don't want husbands and wives together because I want everybody to develop their own voice and find their own voice for the Lord. And so we're asking friends, ask you secondly to pray for who? Relatives, relatives, right? Pray for relatives. So if you know a family member, you know, everybody knows at least one family member who needs Jesus. Some of y'all know some family members who really need Jesus, right? So relatives and invite them to become part of your, of, of your rooted group. Um, I gave you A last week. A stands for associates. So these are people that you may not be, you know, buddy, buddy with. They're not ride or die, but these are people that you see, you know, occasionally you interact with them. You're friendly with them. Pray about God giving you an opportunity to invite them. And here's the last group in N stands for neighbors, neighbors. So I want you to start praying about your neighbors. Now, some of us don't even know our neighbors, right? So maybe it's just time for you to get to meet them and pray and ask God to give you an opportunity. I have a neighbor, for example, young man, I know his father and uh, I see him every now and then, you know, when he's working outside in the yard or when he's pulling out or when I'm pulling out. And so he's somebody that I'm praying about. God, give me an opportunity to approach him and ask him to be part of my rooted group. I don't even know if he goes to church, right? I don't know if he's saved, but I'm going to invite him to be part of my group. If he says no, it's okay. You know, I got some other people that I'm going to invite, and uh, I'm going to be doing an all-men's group. So I'm looking forward to God blessing um, that as we move forward. And internationally, we're looking to add to our numbers as well. So I'm praying that God will bless us to be able to continue to impact the world around our discipleship ministry. Let's pray, ask God's blessings on our time today as we prepare for the word of God. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that you will bless our time in your word, that everything that I do and say will be pleasing in your sight, bring glory and honor to you. Let good seed go forth and find good soil that it may produce great fruit in our lives. We ask you to bless as only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I had my knee replacement surgery about five weeks ago. Uh, two weeks after the surgery, I went and got the staples removed. Doctor said it's healing fine. Over the last week, two weeks, I've been in physical therapy got an evaluation from my home health attendant. And uh, they said, you know, and you're doing well. You got a 98 degree bend, still trying to get to about 120, 130 if I can. But, you know, it's moving forward. My leg extension, I'm at zero degrees, doing well. And then my home health attendant said he thinks I can be released now. He said, matter of fact, you can go to outpatient. I recommended you go to outpatient. 
You probably won't be there long. They'll give you some instructions. They'll work you through some things. But you're about ready now to go to the gym on your own. Um, he didn't know I already had been going to the gym, right? Part of that is the athlete in me, right? Because I'm, I'm like, if you tell me to do 10, I'm going to do 12. You tell me 12, I'm going to do 15. Because, y'all, I want to get this knee back to where it needs to be as quick as possible. But here's what the home health attendant told me. He said, because I kept on saying, man, I don't know where I am because I really haven't had any guidance in this process. I've been doing a lot of it on my own. So I don't know if I'm behind schedule, if I'm ahead of schedule. And he was kind of hesitant to answer. And then he finally said, yeah, you're ahead of schedule. He said, but don't overdo it. He said, you don't want to overdo it because there's some things that you're just going to have to go through and it's going to take time. You can't speed up the healing in your body, right? It's going to take time. Now, what he didn't know was that when I was in surgery, my surgery took twice as long as it normally takes. And the doctor came out and told my wife and later told me that my bones were so dense that he had to stop drilling in the leg in order to allow the temperature to go down because he was afraid it was going to catch fire. So it took them three hours to do what should have taken an hour and a half, which means if it took twice as long to get the thing in, I don't know how much longer it's going to take for that bone to heal, right? But I'm ready, man. I, I mean, I want to push it. I want to push it. And if I got a good pain threshold. And he said, no. He said, don't overdo it. He said, and here's the other thing you've got to know. Rest is a part of physical therapy. You have to learn how to rest and not try to do too much. Because you're just going to have to go through the process. It's going to take eight weeks for your bone to heal, right? It's going to take you know, certain weeks for you make sure that the, the, the scar is completely healed so you can start water therapy. It's going to take six months before you start feeling kind of normal. It's going to take probably a year before you stop even thinking about this surgery and how your leg has been affected. He said, but here's the reminder. I love this. He said, the pain that you're experiencing now is different than the pain you experienced prior to the surgery. He said the pain that you had prior to the surgery was a hurting pain. He said, but from now on, the pain that you're experiencing is a healing pain. This is a pain that's going to signal that you're getting better, not that you're getting worse. My brothers and sisters, I thought about this as I was preparing for today's sermon because I recognize the fact that some of us, especially when we find ourselves in the midst of trials and tribulations, we want to get through it as soon as possible. We're like, God, hurry up, please. Don't know how much longer I can take this. I can't stand anymore. And I've learned that whatever it is, no matter how painful it is, there's a process that God takes us through in order to get us where he ultimately wants us to be. Today, I want to conclude this little series that we put together with part three of our sermon series titled How to Survive Trying Times. Part three of How to Survive Trying Times. Now, remember our text is Matthew chapter four. And in Matthew chapter four, we have the third of three times the devil is recorded to have spoken in the scriptures. First time he spoke, he spoke through the serpent in the garden of Eden to Eve. Second time he spoke, he spoke to God himself after God asked him when he gathered with the sons of God where he was coming from and he said I've been going to and fro and you remember God said well have you seen and checked out my servant Job and God started bragging on Job and God heard Satan say to him 
if the only reason Job is serving you is because you got a hedge of protection around him. But if you take your hand off of him, I can make Job curse you. And y'all, I don't know about you. I love the Lord. I just don't want him bragging on me to the devil. I got enough trouble with the devil already. I, I don't need God. Talking about, uh, hey, Satan, have you checked out my servant, D.Z. Cofield? No, I've seen the devil enough for a lifetime. I'm all right. Third time he spoke was in the text that we're looking at today. He talks to Jesus and tries to move Jesus from God's divinely set purpose for his life. Remember, he talks to Eve because he wants to destroy a place, not heaven, but destroy a place in terms of where Eve is and her peace with Adam and her peace with God. He wants to speak to us in temptation because he wants to do to us what he tried to do to Job and that's destroy his person, to destroy his character, to destroy his confidence in God. And when he gets to Jesus, he wants to derail Jesus off of his God intended purpose. Because here is Jesus now about to launch his earthly ministry, 30 years in preparation, three years to set the disciples in order to prepare them to turn the world upside down. Listen, anytime a temptation comes into your life, I don't care what form it takes. I don't care what shape it takes. It is intended to destroy either your place your person, or your purpose. Anytime the devil tries to tempt you to get you to do what you know you shouldn't do and what God told you not to do, he wants to destroy your place, your person, or your purpose. Let's go through in the form of review what we already shared, and we're going to water ski over this, and then we'll drop anchor and deep sea dive a little bit at part three how to survive trying times part one i told you first you need to realize you will never be exempted from tests and tribulations in life tests tribulations trials are going to come in life there's no way around it you can't live holy enough righteous enough godly enough to avoid tests and tribulations coming in your life. Sometimes when tests and tribulations come, we ask ourselves the question, what did I do wrong to cause this test to come in my life? And all you had to do was be born to see some tests and trials come in your life. And sometimes those tests and trials may not be directly tied to you. It may be tied to somebody who's close to you who is part of your concentric circle of contact. Jesus, the Bible says in verse one, Matthew chapter four, was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So here's what we need to understand. First and foremost, it wasn't an accident that Jesus was put into this temptation situation. It was divinely orchestrated. The Holy Spirit led him there. And I want you to know if Jesus is not exempted from being tempted and tried, guess what? You are not exempted either. Second thing I shared with you on last week is that you must remember God loves you. Two weeks ago, I told you, you must remember God loves you, right? One of the things that we do whenever we find ourselves being tested and tried we begin to question whether or not God really loves us. Because if God loved me, he wouldn't make me go through what I'm going through. And what we fail to understand is that many times the love of God that doesn't keep us from situations will keep us through situations. So sometimes we just got to learn to hold on and make it through whatever it is we're going through. Last week, part two, we talked about knowing and obeying God's word. 
right? Knowing and obeying God's word. Hold on just a minute. Some of y'all are being nosy. You're not listening. Amen. All right. Let's, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Somebody had a medical emergency and I lost this whole section back here. Let's just, let's just pray. All right. Amen. Okay. Deacon Wilrich, I need you to do me a favor. Go out and anybody that's out there who's not part of the health and wellness ministry, a nurse or medical person, just tell them to come on back in. We don't need everybody out there. Amen. There's a couple of brothers who are helping them, Deacon Wilrich. That's, that's all right. There's some folk out there that don't need to be out there. All right, let's pray. Father, we uh, just lift before you um, the medical emergency that just occurred. Uh, we pray now for your healing power to touch, for your healing power to move. Uh, we pray, God, that uh, the person is not uh, suffering anything that is life-threatening. Uh, we pray that medical officials will be able to address whatever the need is and that the person will recover in accordance with your will. We ask you to bless now and touch as only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week we talked about you must know and obey God's word, right? The Bible says over and over again, as the devil tempted Jesus, his response was, it is written. It is written that it's not enough to know the word. You've got to know it and obey it. And that's the problem with many believers. It's not that we don't know it. We just don't always obey it. And typically we obey not out of conviction, but we obey out of convenience so when it's easy to obey we'll obey when it's tough especially when our feelings are contrary to faith we'll go with our feelings and we'll ask for forgiveness when we know we couldn't get permission preach cofield God wants you to stop living your life based on your feelings because here's what happens many times. Many times people react to their feelings instead of waiting and then responding in faith. Right? So he says you must know and obey God's word. Now remember I told you every temptation was important because it represented all of the temptations that we face in life. Every temptation finds its root, finds its basis in one of three places, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every temptation that comes your way, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Jesus is tempted in each of these places but Jesus teaches us that legitimate needs never excuse us to respond in an illegitimate way. He says, turn these stones into bread. No question after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is hungry. But his legitimate need does not justify him meeting that legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Remember, the devil even comes back and quotes scripture to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, remember what he says, throw yourself down off of this mountain because it is written. Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12, he quotes the proper content, but he takes it out of context. And whenever the Bible is taken 
out of context, somebody's going to use that scripture, that content out of time, out of context to justify improper conduct. And so God wants you and I to know that it is important for you to know the word for yourself and then obey the word. Which gets us now to part three. If you turn over your page on your outlines, part three, how to survive trying times. Here's the first thing I want you to see today. You must realize you're only going through what you are going through. Matthew chapter four, verse 11, the a part, then the devil left him. Then the devil left him. Now, remember, verse one says the spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Bible says three times the devil attempts to tempt Jesus to thwart the purpose for which he has come. When he is not successful, the Bible says the devil left him. Here's the word of encouragement for somebody today. Whatever it is you're going through, it had a beginning and it will have an end. What God wants you to do is understand that every test, every trial, every Temptation, every tribulation has attached with it an expiration date. The old folks said it like this. Trouble don't last always. Let me tell you how I have been encouraged even now going through rehab and recovery from my surgery. One of the ways I have been encouraged with what I'm going through with my right leg is what I've already been through with my left leg. In 2020, I tore my quadricep muscle, ripped my entire knee apart. So they had to reconstruct the knee. They didn't put in new parts. They just rebuilt the old parts and then reattached the quad muscle. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move. My wife had to wait on me hand and foot for several months because I just couldn't move. I couldn't go up and down the stairs. I couldn't do anything. So now what's interesting to me is three years, almost three years later, because it happened in the fall of 2020, almost three years later, now what was my bad leg is not necessarily my good leg, but it's my much better leg. And when they asked me to bend it, I remember when I couldn't bend it and now I can bend it all the way back. When I couldn't straighten it, now I can straighten it out without any problem. When I wasn't putting weight on it because it wasn't strong enough, now I've got to put all my weight on it because it's the only strong leg I got. And it's amazing how much better it's functioning because I have no choice. But here's what I have to understand. Just like I had to go through rehab with the other leg, now I've got to go through it with this leg. All I'm trying to get somebody to understand is you have to go through what you have to go through. And like the old folks say, trouble don't last always. You just got to learn how to hold on because the one sure way to be unsuccessful is to quit before you get to the end. And I'm not saying every day of rehab is fun. I'm not saying every morning I have to go to rehab. I look forward to it. But here's what I'm learning I have to do. I've got to learn how to celebrate small steps of progress. When I go from 90 degrees to 95, I got to celebrate that. It doesn't look like a whole lot to you. But listen, I used to have to climb up in the car, get way up in the seat, pull up to get this leg in. Now I can just get in the passenger seat. And matter of fact, now it's gotten so much better. My wife doesn't even want to drive anymore. This morning I went to get in the passenger seat. She was sitting in there. And then looked at me and said, oh, you want me to drive? I said, I guess that leg is working good enough now. Go on and get in that driver's seat, boy. We have to recognize that we're just going through. 
Look at somebody and encourage them. Tell them you're just going through. Look at somebody else on the other side. Tell them you're just going through. You're just going through. It is temporary. It's not permanent. It may feel like it has always been with you, but it has had a starting point and it will end if you learn how to persevere. So when I was in seminary, uh, the hardest subject I had by far was Hebrew. Uh, Hebrew much more difficult than Greek. Greek, you know, Greco-Roman alphabet, alphanumeric, kind of recognizable. Once you learn the symbols, it reads left to right like the English language. Hebrew reads right to left. And it uses symbols and vowel points and you wherever the points are, you know, that determines what vowel has been added. And sometimes them points look like they move in. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, listen, I, I had a friend literally Hebrew was so stressful for him. He had Vietnam flashbacks. Out of his Hebrew class. And I remember that Hebrew final, the first one. And y'all, I was dreading it. I don't know how many of you have ever had a final that you just dreaded. Uh, it was so bad, I was literally saying, I wonder if I could die, get excused from the final, and then come back to life after the... Anybody else ever think... Anybody else say, come on now, no? Oh, thank you. I, I'm glad there's at least a few people that'll be honest, right? Oh my God, I was like, Jesus, keep me there. I'm praying and I'm telling you these vowel points are moving and I'm, oh man, the stems and the verbal, I'm like, oh God, dog. I'm dreading this exam. I'm dreading it. I'm physically getting ill, thinking about it. And then I got encouraged when I looked at the schedule. I looked at the final schedule and the schedule said Hebrew 103 exam Tuesday 9 a.m. 12 noon. And y'all, I started smiling. Now I know some of you are looking at me strange like, what you mean you start smiling? Because I knew all I had to do was hold on until I got to Tuesday 12 noon. That, that's all I needed. If I made it to two, I, see y'all laughing. I'm telling you, that thing was messing with me so bad. I said, if I can just make it to Tuesday, 12 noon, I'm good. So I studied vowel points moving around, but I'm studying. And I'm like, Tuesday, 12 noon. That's all I got to do. Tuesday, 12 noon. Tuesday, 12 noon. You got to show up. You can't die and come back after the exam. Tuesday, 12 noon. Got to stay with it. Tuesday, 12 noon. Get in there at 9 o'clock. My Hebrew professor handed out the blue books, handed out the exams face down. Turn your exams over. You may begin. 9 o'clock. I'm writing. I'm praying. I'm writing. I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord, bring stuff back to my remembrance in Jesus name. Right? <laughs> bring me clarity, Lord. Let me see some of this in English. I know it's in Hebrew, but let me see it in English. Right? I'm praying. I'm praying. Bring back these verb stems and what I'm praying. We got the 12 noon. Professor said, all right, pens and pencils down. Pass your exam forward. Pass your blue book forward. Exam is over. Y'all, I was so relieved. Marco, I walked out of that exam. And you know how folk, you always got people that want to go back over the exam when you get out. They pulling out the book. What'd you put down for number four? You know. And DZ, number seven. Did you put down a hip field stem or a PL stem? I said, I'm done. <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, but what did you What about number four? What, I'm finished. I don't care what I put down. I can't change it now. It is what it is. 
I'm done. Pass or fail, A, B, or C my way through. I'm done. I'm finished. But I had to persevere. And my brothers and my sisters, sometimes you've just got to learn to just press your way through. The psalmist, Psalm 23, verse 4, David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Watch this. He's not trying to build a condo in the valley. He's not trying to build a duplex in the valley. He's not looking for a great rental property in the valley. No split level home in the valley. No townhouse in the valley. He doesn't want a mansion in the valley. Why? Because he's just going through the valley and somebody in here I need to encourage somebody just go through what you're going through don't, don't sit there talking about oh nobody knows the trouble no just go through just go through just go through that's why the old song said through many dangers toils and snares I have already come. Somebody, you need to tell yourself, I'm just going through. I'm just, I'm just going through. I'm just going through. Here's the second and final thing. Number two, you need to know the Lord will take care of you. You need to know the Lord will take care of you. Verse 11, the B part, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now listen to the whole verse. Then the devil left him after the final time that Jesus uses the word to refute and reject the devil. The Bible says, then the devil left him. Verse 11, the B part and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now that word ministered there, diakonia, comes from the Greek word diakonos. Is where we get the word deacon from. It, it literally means to be an attendant, to wait upon, or to serve someone in a specific way to meet a specific need. This is not a generalist, this is a specialist. Okay, some of y'all looking at me strange. Listen, the devil came in verses 2 through 10 and tempted Jesus, remember what I said, in three areas, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he tested him in areas where he would be naturally vulnerable because of legitimate needs. Turn the stones in the bread because I know you're hungry. Throw yourself down because I know you left your throne in glory to come down. Bow down and worship me because you left your throne in glory and now you are empty in terms of the things of this world. Remember what he would say later on, the son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. So I'm going to give you everything on earth that you don't have of in your own power. And Jesus continues to say it is written, right? The temptations were tailor-made, and I told you before, don't ever get so high and mighty and so holy that you criticize somebody who falls not out of their, listen carefully, their wickedness, but out of their weakness because their temptation is not your temptation. See, we love to say stuff like, I don't know how they could do that. Because it's not your temptation. It doesn't move you. It, and somebody's looking at you doing the stuff you do. Talking about, I don't know how she could do that. Because every temptation is tailor made. The devil knows what you like. He knows what looks good to you. He knows what smells good to you. He knows what tastes good to you. He knows exactly where to tempt you. He tailor makes his temptation. 
But watch this. The angels come and the Bible says they ministered to Jesus. So where the devil tailor made temptations, the angels came and tailor made their treatment. I'm trying to encourage somebody in here today to know that whatever you go through, God will meet you where you are and minister to you with what you need the most. And he does it in a specific way. He may do it in the most unorthodox way, but the Lord will take care of you. So uh, when I was a little boy, go over to my grandparents' house and, you know, that was old school medicine back then. Um, you know, Sister Ware, they didn't have any Neosporin, you know, no spray antibiotics. You know, we, we didn't have ouchless Band-Aids, you know. Um, it was an old school medicine cabinet in the bathroom. You had three sixes, castor oil, uh, bare aspirin. You had peroxide, alcohol, iodine, mercuricone, and just in case you had an emergency, some chocolate X-lax. Um, I, I found out the hard way chocolate X-lax is not chocolate candy. I just... Just throw that in as a side note. I'm out playing and I, I fell and I scraped my knee and uh, I came in crying and my grandmother took me in the bathroom and she ran some water and got a cloth and some soap and began to wash out that area. And I'm, ow, ow. And he said, boy, I ain't hurting you. Stop before I give you something to holler about. And so she washes it out and then she pulled out that brown bottle with the white cap, that mercuricone, I mean that uh, peroxide, brown bottle, white cap. And, uh, you know, it always got me. I don't know if your grandparents were like this. They would wear glasses, but my grandmother would pull her glasses down to see stuff up close. I, I never understood that. So she pulled her glasses down. And she took that brown bottle and then she poured a little peroxide in the cap and she poured it on the scrape. And I said, ow, ow. She said, boy, it ain't hurting you. It ain't burning you because I see it foaming up, right? She said, it's just killing the germs. It ain't hurting you. It ain't hurting you. And then she would give me a choice. Iodine or mercuricone. I learned after the first time I picked iodine to choose mercuricone because iodine burned. And she pulled out that little brown bottle of mercuricone and she shook it up and then pulled out, twisted and pulled it out and it had that little dabber on the end. Does it still have that little dabber on there? Had that little dabber. And, and here's, what I, here's what I learned. My grandmother didn't put me across the room and start slinging mercuricone at me. She knew that in order for it to be most effective, she had to put that mercuricone right on the place that I had scraped my knee. That was the only way it would be effective in healing my wound. Somebody say, what are you trying to say, Pastor? What I'm saying is when the angels came to minister to Jesus, they came and tailor-made their treatment to his specific place of pain in order to help prepare him for what would be his three-year ministry following this temptation time in the wilderness. The angels came to see about him. And I got news for you. I got good news for somebody. The angels will come and see about you. The old song said it like this all night. And all day, angels are watching over me. All day and all night, I've got angels watching over me. 
angels keeping me from dangers seen and unseen. I remember, I remember, I remember I was going down the street and I was checking both ways. I was checking both ways to see if it was safe to go through this stop sign. And I looked, saw no car, looked, saw no car, looked again, saw no car. And I started going out and it was as if somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, look left again. And I looked left again and out of nowhere, a car sped in front of me. And I thought to myself, thank God for the angels watching over me, keeping me from dangers seen and unseen. And so I just want to encourage somebody to keep your hand in God's hand. In the midst of trying times, know that tough times will come. But if you learn how to hold on and wait on the Lord, God will work things out but you've got to learn how to trust them now somebody may say well how will God come and see about you sometimes God will use a friend or family member to speak a word in season anybody in here ever turned the radio on and it was as if the DJ knew exactly what you needed to hear and all of a sudden the song started playing that your spirit needed to be encouraged by. Sometimes you may open up your Bible or open up your app and it'll go right to a verse that speaks to your situation. I tell you, God has so much to work with, but you gotta learn how to hold on and not quit. Because if you quit, you sure enough won't win the race. Have I got a witness here? Let me tell you a story and then I'm going to go. I was going to say take my seat, but I'm already in my seat. So at the turn of the 20th century, around 1900s, there was a boxer by the name of Jim Corbett. Uh, they called him Gentleman Jim. Before that, there was bare knuckle boxing and fighters were brawlers. They were brutish. They were, they were unlearned. They were untrained, but Jim Corbett was a different kind of guy. He was well-kept. He was mannerable. He was sophisticated. He, he spoke well. He was articulate. He, he read poetry. He was, he was just a different kind of guy. And he would tip his hat when he came in front of ladies and would open doors. And so they would call him Gentleman Jim Corbett. He would eventually win the heavyweight championship by beating that legendary heavyweight, heavyweight fighter, John L. Sullivan. Well, he was the principal at a boxing club in San Francisco, California. And on the other side of San Francisco, there was a, another boxing club where the principal and top boxer and instructor was a name, man named Peter Jackson. They called him Black Prince Jackson, obviously because he was a brother. He had won fights and won championships in Australia. He had fought in the Caribbean and he had made his way to the U.S. fighting various exhibition fights. Nobody could beat him. But they would not give him a heavyweight championship fight because the fighter who was the champion, John L. Sullivan, refused to fight a black man. So Peter Black Prince Jackson was the trainer at this boxing school, boxing camp in San Francisco. So they decided to have the two men fight to see who was the better boxer, Jim Corbett or Peter Black Prince Jackson. They schedule a fight and the fight begins. One round, two rounds, three rounds, five rounds, six rounds, seven rounds. 11 rounds, 12 rounds, 13 rounds, 15 rounds, 16 rounds, 17 rounds, 22 rounds, 23, 24, 31, 32, 33 rounds, 41, 42, 43 rounds, 55, 56, 57 rounds, until they finally got to the end of the 61st round. 
After 61 rounds, both men exhausted, they agreed to call the fight a draw. They asked gentleman Jim Corbett about the fight, longest fight he had ever had in his life, clearly the toughest fight he had ever had, and they asked him, how was he able to fight 61 rounds? Nobody trains to fight that long. What kept him from giving up along the way? And he said every time he went back to his corner, he told himself, just fight one more round. He said, I didn't go into the fight planning to fight 61 rounds. But every time I go in my corner, I tell myself, just fight one more round. And I need to tell somebody who's in here today, when you go home to whatever you left, and you might feel like giving up sometime, just tell yourself one more round. You didn't think you would be in what you're in as long as you've been in it. You didn't think you would have to suffer as long as you've been suffering. You didn't think you would be tested as long as you've been tested. And somewhere along the way, you felt like throwing in the towel. You felt like throwing up your hands and giving up. But you know what you did? You went back home and told yourself, keep on fighting and just fight one more round. Just take it one day at a time. Somebody tell yourself, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. And I promised him that I would serve him until I die. One more round. Tell yourself one more round. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One more round. Because you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus who loved you. One more round. Because if God before you, he's more than the world against you. One more round. Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. One more round. Because with man it might be impossible. But have I got a witness in here with God? All things are possible. One more round. Because God is not through blessing you. One more round. Because my God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think one more round because God hasn't brought you this far to leave you now one more round because the race doesn't go to the swift or the strong but to those who endure to the end yes yes anybody gonna go home and say one more round I may feel like quitting may feel like giving up may feel like throwing in the towel but one more round
Come on, look at somebody and tell them one more round. Look at somebody, tell them one more round. Come on, look at somebody else and tell them one more round. One more round, one more. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. One more round. I need somebody in here to know God is not through. He's not through blessing you. I said he's not through. He's not through. I remember talking to my late pastor here in Houston, Dr. A. Lewis Patterson, after his son, Albert, passed. And I asked him, I said, Pastor, I said, how you doing? He said, uh, he said, man, it's been tough. He said, it's been hard. He said, but you know what I found out? He said, I hit bottom. Couldn't go any lower. He said, but when I, what I found out was when I hit the bottom, Jesus was the rock at the bottom. As the music ministry sings this song, I want everybody who can, everybody who will, stand on your feet, to my right, to my left. Hallelujah. Somebody today ought to just thank him for one more round. Come on, somebody around you may not know what you've been through. Come on, somebody you look better than what you've been through. But somebody ought to give God some praise that you made it and God is not through with you yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. You've been waiting on a blessing. Yes. It seems it just won't come. Doors are shut. Times are rough And it seems you're almost done Oh, but the devil Is a liar And a deceiver too Come on, somebody claim it today God, God is not through Is not through Blessing you. Blessing you. Come on, somebody thank God he's got a plan for your life. God is not through blessing you. God is not through blessing you. Oh, whatever, whatever he promised, God is able. He's able to do Oh God It's not through Blessing you Oh God It's not through Blessing you God is not through Blessing you He is able, he's able to do, oh God, it's not through, just hold on a little while longer because God is not through, one more round, one more round, God is not through, blessing. Listen, if you're here today, um, I want to do two things real quick. First, I want to extend an invitation to those who need Jesus in your life. Uh, you need the Lord. You need to recommit your life to God.
you you have hmm, thank you Lord you have looked more Christian than you've actually been living and I hear God saying you need to recommit your life to him and say yes to him you you can't get to the next level in God and not make next level commitment to God secondly if you're here and you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be God knows man we're not perfect we're just trying to become all that God wants us to be and we welcome you to join us on the journey Um, you can use your phone we'll put the QR code up with the hot links if you want to unite with our church using the QR code but if you're here today and you want to come I want you to know we won't look at you funny we'll rejoice when you come I'm sensing somebody with a family you've been praying and I'm just sensing God saying today's the day for you to make that step and say yes to the Lord Um, if you're here I want you to say yes today and come Um, I've got one more invitation but I want us to respond to those two first come on come on you. Come on, come on. God is not through blessing you. Oh, whatever He promised, He is able to do. Come on, somebody else. sing that today but we're going to change one word because I want you to claim this for yourself I need you to say God is not through blessing me would you sing that for yourself today Somebody say, God is not, not through. God is not through. Oh, God. God is not through. Yeah, God. He is not, not through. through. Come on, somebody hit yourself. Blessing me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, extend your hand in prayer. Father, we thank you and bless you for those who have come. We pray now that you will meet them where they are for this season of their journey and help them move from where they are to where you want them to be. Have mercy, Lord. God, we bless your name and we thank you because so many times, God, 
the enemy comes at us and we are ready to throw in the towel. We're ready to give up because that's the exhaustion of our flesh. But God, help us to not walk by our flesh, but walk by your spirit. Help us, God, to recognize that when we are weak, we are strong because your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Help us to recognize your grace is sufficient and you're not through with us yet. We bless you and we thank you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let all of God's people say amen. Come on, let's thank God for those who have come. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise wherever you are. God is not through blessing me. You may be seated. Amen.